Hi everybody, this is Freddy Sobogal. This is my podcast um, presentation. The topic that I wanted to talk about what is justice reform and how I believe it is a system that was established by white supremacists in order to keep all minorities oppressed. Um, more historically speaking, the black community and how the justice system has been used to as a weapon against the black community. Um, laws that were established in uh, Virginia in the late 17th century were the first type of laws to be put in place that separated whites and blacks. Um, it f- was They were put into place after Bacon's Rebellion uh, which united uh, slaves, indentured servants of color, and even white people. Um, they were united together in order to fight some kind of um, some uh, financial oppression set up by the uh, colonies. Um, the hopes was that um, they would hope to that the black population and the white population never united again in order to uh, work together. Um, of course... Uh, the laws how we see them today, um, after the establishment of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution in 1865, um, immediately after slavery was abolished, the Black Codes were certain laws that were put into place in different states throughout the South. Um, the further you progress, you get the Jim Crow laws, which were then uh, nationwide Jim Crow laws, um, they uh, were expanded to the bigger cities where they established segregation in public spaces and private businesses. Um, They put segregation in city buses, restrooms, drinking fountains, parks, uh, building entrances, and even cemeteries were segregated uh, by color. Laws that were put in right before the Jim Crow laws, which uh, go back again to the Black Codes, uh, were laws established by the South in order to put uh, recent freed slaves into basically indentured servitude. Uh, They took away voting rights however they could, um, and they controlled where the African-American population could live, where they could travel, and they were even legally allowed to seize children for labor purposes. Uh, so if they didn't have enough workers somewhere, they could uh, take your child and make them work for you. Um, let's see. So um, I'd want to talk about the most, uh, I guess, one of the more pivotal uses of stereotyping. Um Probably one of the best examples of stereotyping was done during the 80s during Ronald Reagan's presidency. Uh, Ronald Reagan started the stereotype that uh, black people were basically drug addicts and criminals. Um, and he kept using this kind of uh, propaganda of stereotyping. There was always black people in the commercials using some kind of drug um, or committing some kind of crime. Um, and he used this tactic in order to establish and fund what he called the war on drugs, uh, which uh, started in the 80s and still has not been uh, resolved in any way. Uh, it's led to the incons- incarceration of 
millions of people across their country just for things like marijuana. Um, if you look at the different kind of laws, um, a typical drug maybe that you'd see um, amongst the white population because it was more expensive was cocaine. Uh, they had lesser penalties for somebody possessing cocaine, whereas if somebody was caught with crack, which was prevalent in the black community, uh, they could easily get uh, 15 or 25 plus years uh, for the same amount that somebody could get like a month of trouble worth with cocaine. Um, I believe these kind of laws were put in place to basically put away the black community um, you know, lock them away. Um, there's just so many examples of, of this kind of um, inequality when it comes to laws and, and who gets more in trouble. When we look at the prison population, um, it's pretty much just 80% um, black or Latino families, I mean, prisoners. Um, when I talk about justice reform, I'm, I'm uh, not only talking about the, the prison system and how that's going. Um, of course, I, I'm talking about police brutality and maybe training police officers in order to use less force, uh, maybe learning how to better de-escalate, how to be more, uh, you know, prominent members of the community instead of just looking for people to, you know, constantly get in trouble. Um, and besides police officers, also I want to mention the judges. Um, judges uh, in this country pretty much go unchecked. Um, and if there's some judges there that have a, a history of, uh, you know, just a bad history of maybe prejudice or whatever it may be, there's really nothing you can do about judges um, unless you try and vote them out. Because uh, many judges just get appointed by governors and there's really not much you can do. Um, a great example I want to talk about a judge well, with this kind of abuse that with this power is uh, her name is Judge Deborah Nelson. She uh, works within the Seminole County in Florida. Uh, she was appointed by Governor Jeb Bush back in 1999. And she is the judge that resided over the Trayvon Martin case. Um, she did use an all-white jury, so it was not even a jury of his peers. And I'm not sure how she's allowed to do this, but the defending lawyer for George Zimmerman in that case was actually the husband for Judge Deborah Nelson. Um, she has a history of going um, for minorities and trying to, um, you know, get rid of evidence that may prove otherwise. Um, I was listening to a story from um, somebody representing the Innocence Project. Uh, the Innocence Project is an organization that works with people that might have been wrongfully um, convicted or wrongfully accused of crimes. Um, this judge, Deborah Nelson, actually um, would go and purposely try to seek death penalty cases for immigrants. And um, she's gotten in trouble in the past for that. Um, let's see, what else can I talk about? Mm. Let's talk about some of the values and beliefs of this oppressed population, um, the African immunity community, African American community. Um, you know, as far as values and beliefs, they have the same as uh, as every other American. They just want the same equality and they want justice. 
Um, they want to be able to live their lives without having to be afraid of the police or, you know, just some kind of injustice being done against them. Um, ec economically speaking, uh, the African-American community does have a lot of catching up when it comes when you talk about their white counterparts, um, where the whites were always allowed to go to school and get better jobs and they were allowed to live in, um, in better places that had better job opportunities. Um, whereas the black community, they really had to, um, they had a lot of uh, setbacks in early in the beginning. After the Reconstruction era, they really um, were, were put in a box, so to speak. And they had to do whatever, you know, as far as white people would allow them to do things. Um, they were even told where they could live, where they could not live, where they could work, where they could not work. Uh, so that, that brings a lot of challenges economically where a lot of the um, American, Af African-American families have to try to catch up. Um, let's see. Um, when we talk about power dynamics, um, of course, the white is the prevailing race in America. And it's always been the race that has had all the power. Um, well, when we talk about legitimate power, they've always been... Uh, in top administrative positions in any kind of corporation in any part of the government it's always been a white male dominated um, country in every facet that you could think of um, so that's their legitimate power um, expert power you could say it was also established anything the leading experts were always white males um, whether they use some kind of false science to try to separate um, blacks and and hu and whites and try to make it seem that blacks were not even human, um, that was something that spread out early in the in the beginning of this country. Um, whether it's uh, you know experts in the in the field of law like judges or lawyers, they're almost always white males, um, and then the, uh, the 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 lawmakers that put laws into place were always Congress has always been dominated by white males. Um, Let's see. Um, a current social action uh, campaign that I'd want you guys to know about is the Innocence Project. Um, I do find that one to be uh, very important. Uh, the Innocence Project, I could tell you right here. Wait one second. Um, like I said before, they're like a group of lawyers that work pro bono, um, uh, victim advocates, uh, you know, just criminal justice reform advocates where they try to re represent um, you know, minorities that are, are stuck in cases where they can't afford it, uh, the proper defense. Um, you know, that's another thing with the justice system is it's always, you know, who has the, the, the most money for the better lawyers and, you know, who could win a case in court. And the way the system is set up is, you know, you, we have uh, public defenders that could probably take up to like 50 cases in one month and they're, you know, they have to try their best to try to defend uh, somebody that might have not even committed the crime that they're accused of. And then they're overworked and they're burnt out and they just can't uh, keep up with the workload or put up a proper defense where people basically have to just settle out of uh, out of court to not go into trial. They'll just, you know, they'll, ex they'll plead guilty to whatever lesser charge that may be thrown at by the judge. Let's see. Um... Um, there are many roles for social workers in the uh, justice system, of course. 
Um, some of those would be um, social workers can always advocate for new laws and representatives. They can uh, promote and they can vote for representatives and, and educate the community about who might be running for certain positions. Uh, social workers can organize um, demonstrations uh, if there's something wrong going on doing you know social workers can organize um, protests or whatever the case may be and try to get some kind of publicity and get the word out about a certain uh, case that's going on um, social workers um, they can be victim advocates they can work with uh, people that are coming out into probation or parole uh, they can give provide mental health services to people in correctional facilities or post-correctional facilities, try to, um, you know, help them, you know, how to get back into the system after being released from prison. And, of course, the social workers work with children and families, and they can testify in trial. Um, when it comes to um, different educational or advocacy events there's a lot of um i was looking through the internet and there are a lot of different things um with facebook and some groups and i could tell you there is um, i'll give you an example here the florida campaign for criminal justice reform uh they're always having uh events monthly the one that just passed by was already uh, a march late march Another group that, um, and you can find the Florida Campaign for Criminal Justice Reform on Facebook with a calendar of their next events and um, what they do. And they really just, uh, they go out to, um, they propose new bills, they write to their senators, congressmen, whatever the case may be, and try to make some kind of effort and, and uh, put out some awareness for justice reform. Um, I think we could all say that, uh, you know, we've all been affected one way or another with uh, somebody in the system and uh, maybe it's um, the last time that the government ever did a kind of a diagnostic check on the justice system and see if it was working right was 1965 um, of course this was during the whole civil rights uh, movement era and um, you know it's just been a really long time that uh, the country has you know examined our judges examined our laws um, see why we're so disproportionate in prison populations uh, why it seems like uh, the war on drugs has kind of been like an endless cycle that really has not been resolving anything and has cost maybe, you know, billions of dollars, really, for no reason. Um, a lot of these states now, they, they, uh, they're losing money and now they want to, you know, legalize marijuana, which before they would just throw you 20, 20 years in prison for, uh, for an ounce of weed or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's my presentation. Um, I hope uh, I could educate you a little bit on uh, the history of how unfair the justice system has been against um, black people. And um, I'd hope to, uh, this was a, a good presentation. Thank you. <laughs>